Exodus chapter 20. And I promise you, I did everything in the world I could to get out of preaching tonight. Uh, I mean that. I thought of two or three different routes that I uh, wanted to go and wished I could go, but uh, the Lord just would not let me get away from this tonight. And so uh, this thought, and so I pray that the Lord will help us for a few moments tonight. Exodus chapter 20. And I'm not going to preach, well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, the last time I said that in a church, I said that in this church, and I preached 55 minutes, so I'm not going to say anything about my preaching. You listen fast, I'll preach fast, and we'll see how that turns out. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 4. The Bible said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Father, I pray in Jesus' name these next few moments that you'll touch us and help us. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us and through us. God, help us not to see flesh, help us not to see man, but, oh God, I pray that we would hear from you tonight. I want to thank you for the good singing, how, Lord, our hearts have been helped and been encouraged. Thank you for Brother Piercy. Thank you for the Morrison family. Thank you for the, the testimonies, God, and I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word, and we'll love you, and we'll praise you, and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject here. On family worship in the home. Family worship in the home. You see, the first commandment, the Bible says in verse number three, thou shalt not make, a, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, that has to do with the who of worship. Amen. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That tells us who we are to worship. But here in this second commandment, it tells us how we are to worship. Amen. There is a negative in this verse that we're not to make any graven image, but you know as well as I do that to every negative, there is a positive. Amen? So when God says, don't do this, uh, He is also teaching us and telling us how that we are to do something. We're not to make uh, uh, any graven images. This first commandment in verse number three uh, forbids us from false gods. But this second commandment in verse number four forbids us from false worship. Amen? If you worship the wrong God, uh, or if you have the wrong God, should I say, then you'll worship the wrong way. Amen? If you want to know why some people's worship is so strange uh, and while they're doing such strange things, uh, it has everything to do with the God that they worship. Amen? If you worship the God, a holy God, uh, then it'll be the right kind of worship. Isn't that right? And when here in this text here, I want us to see uh, that Moses is emphasizing uh, this matter of worship having to do with the family and the home. Amen? I want to say that God's place in our home uh, ought to be the rightful place. As we mentioned this morning. And our homes ought to be a sanctuary. It ought to be a place of worship. Isn't that right? Uh, when you leave the house of God tonight, uh, you ought to not go home to a whole bunch of worldliness and a whole bunch of, of idolatry and a whole bunch of ungodliness. Uh, uh, but when you go home, things ought to not change. Uh, but this ought to just be an extension of what is in the walls of our house. Amen? Our homes ought to be a sanctuary. It ought to be a place where the Word of God is taught. Amen? Amen? 
where the will of God is obeyed and where the ways of God are exhibited before each other. You see, God created man and man was created to worship something. And so therefore, man is going to worship something. A man is going to worship something or someone because God instilled that in him. And we have to be careful, my friend, that we do not allow people and we don't allow pleasures and we don't allow places in this world to take hold of our heart and become an idol in our life. And so Moses here in this second commandment deals with this matter of family worship worship uh, within the home. He deals with that of idolatry. And I want you to see three things tonight about family worship in the home and we'll be through. First of all, I want you to see the hindrances of family worship. The hindrances of family worship. He said, thou shalt make a, uh, shall not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So he's talking about things that will hinder real worship. And that's idolatry. And when you think about an idol, you know what an idol is tonight? An idol is a substitute for God. Amen? It's anything that substitutes our worship of a holy God. When you think about idolatry tonight and it being a substitute for God, you see in this verse very clearly that man molds the image. Amen? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Man molds the image, uh, and then the image begins to mold the man. Uh, For what a man makes an image out of, uh, an idol out of, uh, that is who he worships, uh, and ultimately, that is who he becomes. Amen? I mean, listen, if a man was to, uh, listen, if a man makes an idol out of a football team, uh, uh, you know what he'll do? Uh, Listen, everything he thinks about has to do with that football team. Uh, uh, Listen, there's nothing wrong with uh, with supporting the team, uh, and listen, standing by the team, but you know there's something Listen, it's all they wear. It affects their attire. It affects their car. Amen. I mean, if they witness for Jesus near as much uh, as they witness uh, uh, for for their team, uh, uh, we can win the world to God in a week. Amen. Uh, And I'm not preaching against necessarily football, uh, but I'm telling you, listen, it's become an idol amongst many. Amen. Uh, Anything that robs us of our passion, our devotion, our dedication, and our desire to serve God uh, uh, more is an idol. Amen. An evil thing can become an idol, but even a good thing can become an idol. And it becomes a hindrance uh, in our worship. An idol will rob you of your time. Amen. Uh, It will take up. It will consume you. Uh, It'll rob you of your treasures. Uh, uh, There's a lot of people that wouldn't give a nickel to missions, uh, uh, but they wouldn't think twice about putting their money uh, where their idol is. uh, Putting their money toward their God that they have have created. Amen. Uh, It'll rob you of your treasures. It'll rob you of your time. It'll rob you of your thinking. Amen. If you want to find out where someone's heart is, where their passion is, just talk to them for a little while. It'll come out of them. They'll they'll get very passionate about something. Amen. I tell you, we ought to be passionate about the Lord. Amen. We ought to be passionate about God. Our devotion and our dedication and our desire ought to be unto Him and Him alone. Amen. You see, when you get around people that God is everything to them, it's easy to tell when someone worships because it comes out in their conversation. 
they're not ashamed to talk about the Lord. Is that right? There's sometimes you talk. I remember talking to a man one time and asked him, uh, and I've heard others use this uh, same uh, 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 phrase before and ask him about their soul, and they say, well, that's personal. And it is personal if you're saved. But it ought to not be so personal that you don't want to talk about it. You know, if you're saved, it ought to come out. Amen? If you love Jesus, it ought to be in our vocabulary. It ought to be visible in our life. Uh, it ought to be something that people can just look and tell uh, that we love God. It ought to be easy to identify. I'm not against someone wearing a shirt that has a Bible verse on it. Uh, listen, I'm not against that. But I want to tell you that, listen, that that's not the only way to be a witness. And there's a lot of people that they may wear that, but their life is in another direction. And then there are other folks uh, that have never wore anything like that. But in a two or three minute conversation, you walk away immediately knowing they love God with all of their heart. Amen. That's the way we ought to be. Amen. And so he's dealing with the hindrances of family worship is idols. Now, when you think about the Bible, it's full of idols tonight, isn't it? I thought about um, Ashtoreth, uh, the Canaanite goddess, goddess, uh, uh, goddess is an idol. Baal was the, the chief male god. She was the female god. Beelzebub was the prince uh, of demons. Dagon was the father of Baal. Jupiter was the chief Roman god of heaven. Diana, a god so wicked uh, that I dare not even tell you what she is about. Uh, Mercury, the Roman god of commerce. Uh, uh, Molech, the most horrible idol uh, in all the scriptures. Amen. Nemo, the, Nebo, the, uh, the Babylonian god of wisdom and literature. And then what about over in Acts chapter 17? Uh, oh, at Mars Hill, there uh, is the, the unknown god the Bible talks about. Uh, there's many other gods in the Bible. Uh, but these gods that I just mentioned of the Bible, they're not America's gods tonight. Amen? I mean, we could preach against every one of them, but they're not the gods of America tonight. I thought about some of the gods of America and just wrote them down. What about the God of sports? Amen. I believe that's a God in America. You say, Brother Gravely, you're against sports? Certainly not. But sports have become idolatry in a lot of places across this land and even in the hearts of God's people. The God of entertainment. Amen. I mean, think about that. Is there anything wrong with entertainment? Well, if it's the right kind of entertainment, no. But this country, this nation is drunken on entertainment. Even to the point that when people come to church, they want to be entertained. Amen. I like what Brother Wesley said tonight. They came to worship. Amen. They came to get in. And we know that. Uh, but you know what? There's a lot of places tonight. They're not interested in worship. They're not interested in preaching. They're not interested in their families getting help. Uh, they're not interested in anybody getting saved. Uh, just give me about 45 minutes of good entertainment and send me on my way. The God of entertainment. Amen. What about the God of money? Amen. You know, there's more to life than money. Can I get a witness on that? And thank God for money. It's a tool and we need it. And I appreciate God giving us money so we can pay our bills and feed our families. But I'll tell you, there's riches money cannot buy. Amen. There's some things. And some. And listen, there's nothing wrong if God's blessed you with a lot of money. Amen. And thank God if He's been good to you. But I'll tell you tonight, we live in a society that it's all about the God of prosperity. It's the God of luxury. It's the God of money. The God of mammon. The God of materials. What about the God of fame and the God of popularity, the God of power, the God of technology? These are the gods of America today. And the Bible said they're nothing more than idols. 
There's nothing wrong with some of these things within themselves, is there? Thank God for technology. I'm using an iPad tonight. Now I've got my Bible with me. Somebody say amen right there. I wouldn't go to the pulpit without uh, a copy of the Word of God. Amen. But uh, you know what? Uh, I thank God for technology. A technology within itself is not evil. You think about tonight, uh, money within itself is not evil tonight. Materials within themselves. If God has blessed you with a good car, if He's blessed you with a nice home, there's nothing wrong. If God lets you have a bass boat, I don't want a bass boat tonight, but if you got a bass boat and you pay your tires and you pay your bills, I, I say, listen, you can have two of them. Amen. If God bless, there's nothing wrong with them things within themselves. Nothing wrong with wood. Nothing wrong with stone. Nothing wrong with precious metals and materials. But when they became a graven image, they became an idol. An idol, they became an idol when man allowed them to come to the place where he elevated them to a higher position. Is there anything wrong with someone playing sports? No. But when sports gets elevated to a higher position, when a sports superstar becomes the hero of a teenager rather than a missionary, then there's something wrong. Or a preacher, there is something wrong with that. Uh, listen, when we become more vocal about sports, as I said, than we do about visitation, then there's something wrong with that. Listen, there's nothing wrong uh, with some of these things within themselves. Uh, but when they become our passion. When they, when we elevate them to the place uh, uh, that that's what we live for. That's what we look forward to. Uh, listen, that's what we thrive upon. They become an idol in our life. They hinder our worship. When we listen up, uh, something becomes an idol when we, when we, we have devoted our will and loyalty to it. I'm going to tell you, there's, listen, I, I'm preaching on sports because it's football season. Y'all know that. And, uh, you know, and if Georgia was in the lead, I probably wouldn't be pretty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about, there are some people, listen, uh, I like competition as much as anybody does. There's some people, I mean, if their team loses, they have a bad week. I mean, they, the, the, their family's going to, they're, they're in for it. Children's going to get whipped, amen. Uh, their wife's going to get fussed out. They're going to come to church and sit on the back row. That's no reflection on none of y'all, amen. I'm telling you, but they're going to come. I mean, they're just going to be miserable on Monday morning. They, they back themselves in a corner because they've spoken trash all week long. Uh, and so now they've got to go face the music on Monday. You know what I'm talking about? You know what that is? That's an idol in their life. Amen. When you can't take it or leave it, uh, uh, when it affects you and it affects everybody around you, uh, it's got a hold of you, friend. Uh, it's not just wood. It's not just stone. Uh, it's not just a precious metal. It's beginning to hinder your worship. Amen. And God said, don't have a graven image. Don't have an idol. That's before you. There's nothing wrong with hunting and fishing. Amen. But listen, when you won't pay your tithes, but you'll buy a $500 rifle. Amen. And you come in dragging late for Sunday school, but you get up at four o'clock in the morning and go get in a deer stand somewhere in hopes that you kill a deer. That's an idol in your life. Now, if you kill a big bucket and you're putting food on the table and you're tithing and you're excited about church on Sunday, I pray you kill three this week. Amen. And I'm telling you, if that had a hold of me more uh, than serving God, uh, I'd sell it all. I'd never step foot in the woods again. Uh, I'd throw the pigskin out the door. Uh, I'm talking about don't let idols hinder your worship tonight. Yeah, 
when you're more devoted to it, when you begin to love it and place your hope in it. Like politics. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. Y'all hang with me. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I get mad when I watch Fox News. Anybody with me? I watch about seven minutes of it, and then I try to go read my Bible. (laughs) Not because I'm that spiritual, because I'm that wicked. I get plumb mad. And I pray to God that God shows His mercy. And I'm not going to waste time tonight uh, preaching about the election. I think I've said enough about it this year for all of us. Uh, but the truth of the matter is this. Uh, yes, I get, uh, if you're a red-blooded American and you believe in freedom and you, re- you believe in religious liberty and you believe in the Constitution and you believe in the right to bear arms and you believe in all that stuff, sure, you're going to have get passionate about that. And I think one of the worst statements ever made in the pulpit of America is when preachers start saying, I'm not going to get political. Well, I'm always going to be political. Amen. I'm always going to preach against the sin of this country and this nation. And it doesn't make no difference to me. If it makes people happier, makes them mad, I'm just going to tell the truth. Amen. Because it ought to be said and it's messed this country up when preachers stop sounding the alarm in the pulpits of America. But let me just stop and say this. While we get so tore up about that and we get so upset about the, listen, the president we get upset about politics. Why don't we get upset about revival? Why don't we get upset about the slackness in our churches? Why don't we get us concerned about the idleness in the pews? I'm talking about I wish somebody would just get tore up about the lack of prayer and the lack of consistency and the lack of burden. I wish somebody would get as passionate about these other spiritual things as they do the political things. I wish somebody would say, oh God, if we don't have revival by Tuesday, we're in a mess. Amen. Oh God, I'm talking about the hindrances to worship. You know, as strange as it may be, politics can even become an idol. I just finished some bookshelves in my office this week. I didn't, somebody else did. And uh, I was putting some books on the shelf. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I've been preparing for this message. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And He said, I bless you with a good library. And I said, thank you, Lord. He said, but don't let the library become an idol in your life. You see, you can love other things more than Him. Even good things. Can become a hindrance. If I, you say, well, how could that? Well, how could that become a, an idol in your life? Well, when you put more trust in those books and what those men say, rather than this book and what God says, uh, then even something as as that can become an idol. You see, it's not always the things; uh, it's the heart of man. It'll hinder our worship. Not only the hindrance to worship, but I want you to find, see here the holiness of family worship. God said in verse number five, "Thou shalt not bow down." thyself to them, nor serve them. So when it comes to the holiness of worship, God deals with two things. He deals in verse number 5 with that of submission, not bowing to them, and then that of service. Uh, And that tells us what holiness in worship really is about. It's about, first of all, our submission to God, and secondly, our service to God. You see, if someone doesn't ever really submit to God, they're never really going to serve God. Amen? And the other side of that is, if you submit to God... uh, 
God will use you greatly in His service. Amen. But if you allow an idol come into your life and get a hold of you, guess what? You'll submit to that. You'll become a slave to that. You'll become a servant to that. And my friend, listen, it will hinder your service for God. Talks about the holiness of family worship. God said, don't submit to those things of this world. Don't serve the things of this world. A job is a good thing, but a job can become an idol in your life. There's more to life than making money, isn't there? When you seek a promotion over, when it, listen, nothing wrong with a promotion, but when a promotion requires you to forfeit your principles, amen. When you've taught your children to be faithful to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, go to Sunday school, be there on Wednesday night, and you forfeit that principle of church faithfulness, that's become an idol in your life. But Brother Gravely, it pays so much more on the hour, but you may wind up losing. Can I tell you, it wouldn't matter if you could make three times on the hour. If you lose your home, friend, if you lose your children, let me ask you a question. Is that a price that you're willing to pay? I'll tell you, listen, you can't put a price tag on holiness, and God is zeroing in here, and God said, don't submit, don't surrender, and don't serve them false idols of this world. Why? Because God said this, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. God said, I'm jealous. Amen. God said, I love you and I'm jealous over you. Now, a question come to my mind in that verse. Why is it wrong for us to be jealous, but not God? Jealousy is seen, we call it the green-eyed monster, don't we? Why is it wrong for us to be jealous, but not God? I want to tell you, if someone was a singer tonight, and I don't think there's anybody here, but said, man, I don't like the Morrisons because they sing better than me. Or as a preacher, if I was to sit there tonight and say, I don't really like Brother Brother Stacy because he preaches better than me. Well, that's just jealousy. Can I get a witness right there? If you say, well, I don't like her because she dresses nicer than I do. Well, that's just jealousy. Why is that wrong? I'll tell you why that's wrong. Because none of us has a monopoly on anything. Amen? Doesn't matter how much you sing or how good you sing. You can't get jealous of somebody. Doesn't matter how how good God touches you and you're preaching. And it's all God anyway. Can I get a witness right there? But it doesn't matter how much God uses a preacher. You can't get jealous of another preacher because we don't have a monopoly on that. You can't get jealous of somebody for looking better in your mind than what you do. You don't have a monopoly on good looks. So can I get a witness right there? But I tell you, when it comes to God, God can be as jealous as He wants to. You know why? Because God has a monopoly on being God. He's already said there is no other God. So he said, I am the Lord. Who shall you compare me unto? There is just one God. He said, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, I am the Lord. Uh, here's just one God. So God can be jealous uh, because all other gods are false gods. And tonight, the holiness of worship is seen in the fact that God is jealous. Hold the fact that God would be jealous over you and I. In family worship, there ought to be the holiness of that family worship. We ought to teach our children. Uh, Listen, we ought to teach them from zero to six. Uh, You ought to teach your children. I just jotted down some things. Uh, You ought to teach them how to sing and talk about and talk to them about God. From zero to six, you ought to read Bible stories to them systematically. You ought to help them learn to thank God for their food and for their family, for their church and for their daily needs and their enjoyment in life. Uh, You ought to teach them the difference between uh, uh, imagination 
air is something that's imaginary and something that's invisible. Amen? You know, air is invisible, but air is not imaginary. Air is real. Isn't that right? It's what keeps us going. It's what keeps us alive. And we ought to teach our children, just because you can't see God with a natural eye. Listen, just because He's invisible, that doesn't mean God's imaginary. He's as real as the nose on your face. And He really works in your life. And from zero to six, you ought to teach them those things. From seven to twelve, you ought to teach them to memorize the Ten Commandments. You ought to put a copy of it and frame it and put it in their room so they see it every day. You ought to get them their first Bible. Amen. You ought to teach them to use videos and Christian books to help inspire them. Can I get an amen right there? You ought to put an instrument in their hand from seven to twelve. Help them pick up. Listen, learn stories about missionaries and let them be their heroes and discuss those stories. And you ought to warn your children about a cult and you ought to pray for them every day from 7 to 12. From 13 on, you ought to get them a good study Bible with good notes. Buy them a prayer journal. Give them a read through your Bible calendar. Teach them to have a personal prayer life and quiet time. Supply them with good music. Reward them for spiritual progress and remind them that most of all, God rewards them who honor Him. I know those are simple things. But I'm talking about family worship. I'm talking about taking the initiative, parent, in your home. When you think about these Ten Commandments, the first four, as we said, has to do with our relationship to God. The last six has to do with our relationship to man. But the bridge between man and God and man getting to God is that fifth commandment. And it's honoring your father and your mother. Now I'm going to tell you something. The way, parent, the responsibility of our children getting to God does not lie on the preacher. It does not lie on the church. Listen, it doesn't lie on a Sunday school teacher. It's on the shoulder of every mom and dad. And now that's why it's so important to institute family worship in the home. What you do from zero to six and from seven to twelve is you're preparing them from the battle of their life from thirteen to eighteen. But you'll win that battle if you'll do the groundwork. If you'll prepare them, God will bless you. I'm talking about the holiness of family worship cannot be substituted in a church house. Amen. They'll sit through a good service. Their mind will wander and go elsewhere because they miss the most important thing. You know what that is? The reality of God in the home. Amen tonight? I like it when Brother Danny sings like he did this morning. And I don't, he doesn't want me to say this, but I want to say this. He has a touch of God on him, don't he? And others do as well. I'm not just highlighting one singer, but I'm telling you, I mean, I've been singing here for 20 plus years in this church. Uh, and I'll tell you time and time again, I've watched God breathe. Don't even had a man uh, come uh, one day and he said, boy, your piano player can really play. You know what I told him? I said, she got the spirit on her. That sounds a little Pentecostal, doesn't it? Amen. It's not just talent. It's a touch. Amen. 
I'll tell you where that touch comes. Uh, it ain't automatic. It's not a push button on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Uh, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, it's in that secret place. Uh, it's before God praying and reading and saying, oh God, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. I, I can't do anything without you. I, I need you today. I know it's Monday, but I need you this morning. I need you on Tuesday. He loves that. He blesses that. It's coming in the presence of God and saying, Lord, I got a teenager. And dear God, I don't know how to raise a teenager, but I don't want to lose my teenager. Dear God, would you help them? Would you keep them? It's putting them into God's presence and saying, Lord, I'm not just praying, but I'm praying specifically for them. I'll tell you something that squeezed all the juice out of my soul. I saw my little four-year-old grandson. My daughter sent me a video the other day. And he was sitting there in a recliner with a... Now, he's mean as a devil. Let me just go ahead and establish that. Probably as mean as three of them. But he was sitting there and he had a Bible in his lap. And he was turning the, the pages... And he was rubbing them pages. And I remembered something he said the last time I saw him. He said, he said, Papa, I got a Bible. I said, that's good. I'm glad you got a Bible. And then he said, I can't read. Of course, I knew that. <laughs> I said, you will one day. I said, and when you read, I said, you always read your Bible. Amen. The last thing come over one day. And he said, I love Jesus. I'm going to tell you about blew my heart out when he said that. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I remember when my children got saved and I tell you, nothing thrills you anymore than when you see God become real to them. But I tell you, I can't take no credit for it tonight. All credit and glory goes to God. But I tell you, if I was to give any credit at all to anybody outside the Lord, I'd have to give it to that woman right there for always being faithful, for always teaching the Word of God, for always praying, for always putting it before them. I'm just simply telling you tonight, the reality of God in the home comes when there's a holy and parents, you got to drive the world, the flesh, and the devil out of your home like running buzzards off meat. Amen. you got to be so vigilant. you got to be so pinpointed. you got to be so, listen, so listen, so consumed with keeping hell out your door because it'll surely slip in. It'll find itself somewhere in the heart of your children. I just feel a burden in my soul right now. I'm telling you, friend, the holiness in the home is important tonight. Family worship. Holiness, and then I want to close tonight. Not only the hindrances, those idols, the holiness, God's jealousy. What about the happiness of family worship? You notice in verse number five that He said He would visit the fathers upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate Him. You know that's a negative, but it can also be a positive because God is not saying that because one person sins he's going to come to three or four generations and make them pay for it but what he is saying is this is that the the ancestral sins of one bleed down three and four generations God can reverse the curse can't he none of our family went to church there's no logical reason why I ought to be standing here tonight but God reversed the curse one day I told my father one day, I said, Dad, you didn't know this because you were lost. 
I said, but because you pulled your belt off when I did wrong and because my mother used a hickory when I did wrong and you broke my will as a young boy and taught me to respect authority and to surrender to the God-given authority in my life, you didn't even know God. But because you 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 performed that principle, uh, then one day when the Holy Ghost came knocking on my heart, I wasn't a rebel, amen, uh, because you'd got that rebel out of me. Uh, and when the Holy Ghost dealt with me, I got saved. Uh, and then God called me to preach and let me preach the gospel back to you and it wasn't me but you got saved I'm telling you God knows how to take the curse of three and four generations he knows how to turn it around thank God I tell you I just feel good in my soul hallelujah bless the Lord God knows how to help you may say well I don't have a Christian heritage no but you could start one tonight amen God could take you out of nothing he could put you into everything he could change you hallelujah and if you got one tonight, there will not be a night goes by you don't pillow your head and say, thank you. And don't blow it. Amen? Don't blow it. Don't throw it away. Don't you hook up with some heathen out there. Hey, you boys, don't you man. Listen, don't you. You don't go seeking a bride. You let God send you one. And if you're not willing to wait and you're not willing to pray, you'll surely miss the will of God. And you girls don't go out there and just seek some young. Listen, don't let some young punk come in that don't believe anything like you believe and hadn't been raised the way you were raised. And listen, pull you out of this church. If you marry him or you marry her and they don't know God, you'll leave this church. Be the worst decision you ever make. You say, well, I'll get her in. Oh, she'll get you out. Because you'll have to make a choice to either go here or live with her. Seen that. What about the happiness? God said this. He said the happiness of family worship is this. Yes, I'll visit the sins, but God would also visit those that have lived for him three and four generations. I heard a great preacher say one time, he said his granddaddy prayed that in every generation that he got to see come up that God would raise a preacher up. He was the fourth generation, his great-great-granddaddy. And he said that God had called him to preach. And God had called a preacher out of every generation. He said, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't make no difference. It still happened. Tonight, don't just pray for your children. Pray specifically. Don't just pray for your spouse. Pray specifically. Look at verse 6. He said, In showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. The happiness of family worship in this verse is that mercy is distributed, love is displayed, and obedience is desired. You want to have a happy home? You want to have a happy family? I'll tell you what. You need God's mercy distributed every day. If you're raising your children right, thank God that's commendable, but don't get the Pharisee syndrome. And I don't think anybody here has that, but it ought to be mentioned. Amen? You say, why, preacher? Because uh, I've seen people raise their kids and thought, man, my children are doing great. They're doing wonderful, and they're doing good, and they're serving God. The only problem with that is there's a part in their life you can't see. I don't care how well you know them. I don't care how close they are to you. They want a more spiritual man in all the Old Testament than Job. 
But Job said it may be. He didn't say it was. He said it may be that they have, my children have cursed God where? In their hearts. Uh, Job wasn't so concerned about the outside because I believe he had done it right. But Job said there's a part of him that only God knows. Uh, they don't even know their own heart themselves. And Job sacrificed and Job prayed every morning for his children because of that little spot in their life that they could not see. Hey, there's a spot you can't see, but you can pray and God sees it. Amen. There's a spot you can't work, but there's a place God can work there. Amen. I'm talking about, listen, you need God's mercy. Amen. If your children live for God, it'll be because of one reason. Mercy. God's mercy. If you raise them right, a man came to me one day and he, took, he told me about that verse. He said, of course, the verse is in Proverbs. You know this verse. Train up a child in the way she go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. He said, I believe that if you raise your children that way, they will turn out right. I said, I don't believe that. Because that verse is not a promise. That's a principle. It wasn't true in Samuel's life. For the people said that your children walk not in your ways. How many godly people do we know tonight that raised their children right and they turned out wrong? That's a principle to live by. The children are not robots tonight. They have a will, they have a mind, and they will have a choice one day. He said, well, if they turn out right, do all the things you can. But if they turn out right, remember one thing. It was God's mercy. Then he said he shows mercy toward thousands of them that love him. Teach your children to live for God, but first teach them to love God. Loving God has to take preeminence first. Many have learned how to live. Don't do this, don't do that, do this, and all that's great. Teach them to love him. If they ever get a hold of loving Him, they'll want to live for Him. If they ever love, fall in love with Him, that spouse needs to know that you love God and she'll love God if you'll love God. Puts the joy in service, don't it? I want to say this in closing tonight as they come and get us a song. This is an Old Testament passage. So my question tonight is, is this a New Testament problem? Is really idols a problem today? I think the answer is 1 John 5 and verse 21. John said, little children, keep yourself from idols. Tonight, it doesn't matter from the pulpit to the pew. It's easy to make an idol. Something get a hold of me tonight. Get a hold of my heart. It's this easy. It can start out relaxation. It can start out a hobby. Nothing wrong with either one of those things. But not contained and not kept in its rightful place, if it ever steps in front of God one time, then it'll get a hold that I'll never let go until we get rid of it. You remember when Jacob said he was going back to Bethel? Remember what he did? He took all them idols and them earrings. I never did understand the earring part. Amen. Maybe they was idols on them earrings. That's a good verse to preach against earrings, I reckon. And he buried them under the tree there at Shechem. He got rid of them idols because he knew this. 
If he's going to do any business with God, they'd have to go. I tell you tonight, I think we could have revival. I think we could get the, get the desire, the passion back in our churches if we could get the idols out. I think we could get to the place where people quit looking at their watch. Quit saying, you know, I've I, I got to get on home. It's getting pretty dark out there. I'm sure nobody's thought that tonight. See, I want, I, we, all, we need to get back past that and get to the place to where we just need God. If we had to stay till midnight. Oh, I got school. I got work. No, I'm going to tell you something. If God don't meet with us, our children's doomed. I'm not a prophet of doom. I'm just telling you, the hope of the next generation is not on the shoulders of all these liberal contemporary churches. Brother Stacy said it tonight, and I thought how true. The way's getting more narrow. And the hope tonight for this country and the hope for our homes and the hope for our children is on places just like this. We're not no fancy church or big church. But I'll tell you, I feel His presence, don't you? God meets with us. And that's the hope for the home tonight. And I'll tell you what you ought to do, Mom and Dad. As much as I love Bible Baptist Church, as much as I love this place, it's just not enough. Take what you have here. Take it home. Make it real at home. Turn that TV off. Put that cell phone up. I know we have to use some things. That computer. Wife, cook a meal. I'm sure you do. I hope you do. Don't microwave a meal. Cook a meal. Come on now. Cook a meal. Have table time. I'll preach a word. Make time. Help them kids with their homework. Don't gripe because they got homework. Help them. Somebody say amen. amen. Good way to help them is tell them if they don't do it, you're going to whip them. Somebody say amen right there. If you don't make good grades, I'm going to whip you. I'm sorry. What I got told. You gonna work hard or you gonna get whipped? <laughs> Just how it is. Help them. It's more than two plus two. You know what it is? It's mom. It's dad taking the time to teach. And don't stop with mathematics. Take the Bible out. Say, let's just get around this coffee table a few minutes. I know everybody's tired and it's time to go to bed. Let's, let's read out of the Gospel of John tonight. Or let's turn Alexander Scorby on. I love Alexander Scorby. Let's turn him on for 15, you know, 15 minutes of Alexander Scorby. You'll go through the Bible in one year. You know that? Let's turn Alexander on. I even got him on records, Brother Larry. Can you believe that? I found them in a yard sale one day and I bought them like it's gold. That's right. But go back to the simple life. Teach them you don't got to have a cell phone. You're not a freak because you don't have a cell phone. It's the best thing in your life not to have a cell phone. It's a cesspool of sin. Most adults can't handle it. Don't even worry about it. 
It's a disconnect from all the people, the young people who want to trash and ruin their life. You don't need that. Teach them. Take the, memorize Scripture. So when you're not around and the devil comes calling because the devil will wait until you're not around. That verse, come back to that soul. Put it in them. Put it in her soul. Put it in her heart. I'm telling you, it works tonight. I know I'm preaching long, but I'm trying to quit, but I don't want to quit because I'm just telling you. I feel I feel tugged right now. Help them have family altar. Don't let them watch six hours. Don't let them watch 30 minutes of the mess that's out there today. Take them outside. Get a bat and a ball. I don't hit them with a bat. <laughs> Play ball with them. Amen. Spend some time with them. You ought to love your kids. I think you do. I'm not saying you don't, but Love to spend time with them. Teach them. Teach them tonight. I just want to make sure I've said everything God wants me to say tonight. Train them. Teach them. Put it in them tonight. Pray over them. I tell you what you ought to do when they're asleep. You ought to sleep in that bedroom. Get to the foot of that bed and pray for them. It'll be all right if you wake up and your mother's praying at your feet or your father's praying there. Put your hand on their foot. Pray God will save them. Pray you'll keep them from sin and Satan all the days of their life, that they'll serve Him, that they'll marry in the perfect will of God. Pray those things for your children tonight. Don't ever let a day go by. Pray for their safety. Your grandchildren, don't ever let one day go by that you don't ask God for those things. Pray God will make a preacher's wife out of them or a preacher out of them, a, a missionary out of them. Amen. Pray that they'll not make some foolish decision. Ask God for those. Say, Lord, I can't, Lord, I can't see what's going on, but you see it all. And God, I'm asking you right now, the best way I know how, Spirit of the living God, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Have a desire from not just to be saved, but to be spirit filled. Amen. Tonight.